Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Beyond Condition podcast, where today we have guest Joe Jeffrey to talk about the use of performance-enhancing drugs in the sport of bodybuilding. This is the first episode going over onto iTunes. As some of the listeners may already know, I've been recording pods for around a year now with Steph Noble. It's a really exciting time for us to go over onto an official podcast to be able to offer our listeners a really easy way to listen to our sessions. If you did want to listen back to any of the YouTube videos, then head over and take a look on my YouTube channel. Essentially, what we want to do is offer information to the bodybuilding community, in particular females. And what we like to do is discuss topics that you don't get access to as easily as we'd like. PD use is such a big topic in our sport. I'm sure you'll agree, Joe. So I guess a good way to kick off today would be to look at someone who's looking at going down the assisted route and doesn't really know where to start. Yeah. Firstly, thank you for having me. It's an honour to be on the first episode on iTunes. So yeah, I think that you are quite right. This year, I would think more than any other year in my experience that I've been coaching, the female PD use has come um, more to light in the social media slash education realm. It's like, there's no more drug use this year with women than there ever was. It's pretty much just always been the same in my experience with competitors, but there's a lot more people putting out stuff on it, which is great. But with education in general comes some great, some bad and some ugly education. Um, and with that comes a lot of confusion of the person being quote unquote educated as well. Mm. So let's think to pastimes when maybe if a female would choose to go enhanced, it would be like, okay, well, just take five milligrams of anavar for your contest. Because <laughs> that's really easy. It's like, that's just the way it is and cool. And then you have other people maybe like what I would teach, which would be, okay, well, we want to avoid androgens for this. Maybe we'd want to use this. Maybe we'd want to use this. And it all of a sudden becomes a bit complicated. Yeah. So the place to learn, selfishly, I'll say, is on Physique Collective. We have loads of female performance enhancing drug information. And you also have access to the forum where you can ask any question you like, post up Physique photos, say I'm X amount of time away from a show, I'm doing this, maybe I should do this instead or whatever it is. Or if you really want to nail it, which I would recommend, and just get a consultation with somebody that knows a lot about female PED use and that doesn't have to be me there's lots of great educators out there and if anybody wants referral just let me know just drop me a line I've also done like a lot of other podcasts on this like in fact there's a live on my Instagram with Josh McHale where we kind of go through female drug use I did one with team bikini queens I hope I'm saying that right (laughs) Um, that was good as well and so there's there's quite a lot out there now do you find with Physique Collective, because I'm obviously part of the forum, mm. that people can go on there and then maybe get like a real insight into what it looks like when people go from natural to assisted? Is there some logs like that or is it more? Yeah. So part of my like clause with Physique Collective athletes was that you have to be 100% totally honest with everything that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to know if you're lying because I coach them all, you know, so I know what they're doing, or at least I think as long as I'm doing what I tell them to do. And that for me is really important because what I think the industry was missing was almost a stepping stone between, um, just being a competitor or even just being a gen pop person that wants to be an husband and then high level bodybuilding Yeah, is like to some people, it's still a shock that bikini athletes use drugs. 
hundred percent. You know, or tone figure athletes use drugs, and some don't. Some do, some don't. And what are they doing? And why don't they look as masculine as Iris Kyle or something? And why, you know? Yeah. Well, no offense, Iris. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's it. and it's also given a friendly and helpful platform as well to people where they can be open about what they're doing. Mm. You know, I'm taking this drug and that drug, and I'm not going to reply like you're a fucking idiot or something like a lot of forums would do. What, what do you think you're doing? It's a helpful and encouraging environment with women there, which is super important mm. because regardless of who's telling you, I think a female is always going to be more comfortable if it's coming from a female. Yeah. So I've, I've seen you comment before about, I think someone was using Anabar and you said, can I ask you why? And actually even that question in itself, but like I don't think, people especially in bodybuilding i find people don't actually know why they're doing certain things yeah. so like even their training plan or their nutrition or where they want to go in the sport if you say why are you doing it that way mm. oh i thought that was how you do it yeah and, and it's it's not educated like you say yeah, and you need to be able to ask your coach questions as well yeah like I would actively encourage clients to ask me questions about things that we're doing. And even if they're answering it, I've already failed them slightly because I make a big thing on explaining every adjustment in full on the check-in. Yeah. Which is why I can't have as many clients as a lot of people, I think. Because like my check-ins will be, could be anywhere from five to 15 minutes long, depending on how much explaining we've got to do. So I, I don't really want the client to go away just going, okay, right, we're using this drug now. Yeah, or but this what? is your macros. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, just do this. Why? why don't ask me why you know a lot of coaches would actively discourage it yeah i think there's a difference between asking questions and questioning yeah i don't think questioning your coach is a great move it shows a lack of trust maybe but you so, could say like could you help me understand yeah. why i should use this pd or whatever it's going to be rather than well why am i doing that yeah it's the way you come across and i think the coaching and client relationship is such a big thing that can be very misguided and also there is cookie cutter coaches out there unfortunately and if you end up with one of those coaches and you don't really know what a good coach is where do you go from there you know and then you get that like you don't want to feel bad to ask a question yeah yeah exactly or you don't want to feel bad to then maybe yeah, move a, on yeah that's an awkward scenario to be in with a coach I think extremely so with regards to, so if someone's natural and they're looking at PD use, is there considerations with like health, lifestyle? Is there certain things that you'd try and, you know, understand first if you were going to, when you do like a consult? Or? Uh, yeah, I think the, the first thing to understand is, is what is their goal of PD use? And are they like misunderstanding the end goal? For example, we mentioned Anavar. Mm. A lot of consultations, I don't do a ton of these anymore, but a lot of female consultations I used to have would be along the lines of, I'm on prep and I need to lose fat, so I'm going to take Anavar. Mm. And the mechanism of action, or like the resultant action of anabolic androgenic steroids, which is what Anavar falls into, yeah. is not fat loss. These are drugs that bind at the androgen receptor and they transcribe anabolism, which is like turning on all the stuff like mTOR and that eventually lead to muscle protein synthesis and growing new muscle Great. tissue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not, now you could argue that they contribute to fat loss because they do, 
but not to a significant magnitude. In fact, more so they're anti-lipogenic, so they can inhibit some degree of fat gain. But besides the point, if you're looking to lose fat, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be the drug of choice. Mm-hmm. So it's working out what the goal actually is and then seeing what compounds contribute towards that goal. And then also seeing what issues the individual currently lives with. Yeah. Like if we could get some blood work done and see that their testosterone is like critically low, then using a replacement dose of testosterone, literally just to put them within the normal physiological range, offers them great physique outcomes, great health outcomes, because being low testosterone is not healthy. Mm. And on that note, a lot of competitors may be listening to this that have never got their blood work done. Every time you diet up for a show, there's a calorie deficit mediated hormonal attenuation, which is a long way of saying yeah, everything good. drops off <laughs> yeah. as you diet. <laughs> everything. Right. Yeah. So your testosterone, your estradiol, your T3, your T4, it's all coming down, which is not good for your health at all. So, um, what you need to be aware of there is just escalating that to normal levels and keeping them there mm. throughout your diet is a very healthy move. There's no negatives associated with that. Because the association with assistance is mm. often, especially in females, I find it can be quite a negative association. Where actually, yeah. like you say, if someone's got you know, damage to hormones or low testosterone, say, it actually would help them feel better, mm. not just the aesthetic goals mm. it'll make them feel better and healthier yeah yeah exactly that that goes for testosterone t3 t4 so the thyroid laxes and testosterone are the main things that i'd tend to deal with with women there so from prepping yeah mm. yeah they're almost definitely going to have low testosterone if they're at the end of a prep mm-hmm. and then you know you've got the option to to be honest if you're going to go assisted yeah you might as well not put yourself through that big hormonal fluctuation in the side of a prep if you compete often Mm -hmm. so if you compete once a year then you're going to go through a prep period where your testosterone is dropping off let's say from four weeks out it's pretty much gone yeah majority of people and then let's say for four weeks post-show so now you've got eight weeks which is a very acute period of time and isn't necessarily driving a big amount of danger in and of itself. But then next year, now you've got 16, so on and so forth. And I suppose if you were, as an example, if you were to qualify for a finals, we had this conversation yesterday, didn't we, where it's, you know, if you qualify in the April for the finals in the October, you sort of hang out in maintenance for a bit and you still don't feel right. And that's their months. Yeah. And there's something called the critical energy availability threshold in women, which is usually defined as when a woman will regain menstrual function. Yeah. So an amount of calories that they'll have to be eaten, an amount of body fat they'll have to hold, and that can be pretty high. Mm. You know, that can involve quite a bit of fattening Mm. post-show to get there quickly, which is quite hard psychologically as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to say you remove the, the need for that because you somewhat do because you don't need to regain testosterone function after that. But either way, it's not healthy to stay at a low body fat. But you essentially remove the lag of doing that. So that's one benefit of being enhanced. Yeah. 
It's not all about aesthetics. No, no. That, that's a huge health benefit. You're enhancing your health as well as your physique. Mm. So, so there'd be a couple of considerations. And then the good thing for women is that their effective dosages of drugs are far less than men. Yeah. Like, so toxicity, relevant toxicities to drug use is generally not a concern for women for the most part. Unless, and this depends what they're doing with the drug. Mm. Like I say that in the clause of maybe the way that somebody who understands drugs and uses them responsibly, it wouldn't be a concern. But then there are, you do see women using astronomical dosages of like clenbuterol and T3. And that can be, you know, that carries danger. You also see women using astronomical dosages of anabolic steroids, but not what I would consider excessively dangerous to their health, but what will almost guarantee they go through hormonal gender reassignment, mm. which is probably a far lower dose than you'd think. I've and always wondered with dosage, if would it be in the interest to start on the lowest dose possible to get the gains of assistance? And then also on that, how... If you were to be assisted for years, do you have to keep increasing dosages? Do you have where does it end? If that makes sense. Yeah. So depends on the compound. Yeah. Because there's loads. There's lots of different metabolic pathways when you consider what drugs you can use. <clears throat> so if we're talking about anabolic steroids, like yes, or, or if we're talking any drug, you should always use the least amount of drug possible. It's a good idea, but people don't. For the like maximal gains and such. Yeah, which is fair enough, but also understand this, like the more you use, the more it will do. And you can factor that into your own risk to reward. Yeah. I'm not here to tell anyone to do anything, but minimal dose equals minimal negative health effects, but also minimal physique progress. <laughs> and this is where, yeah. because as bodybuilders, we have, a lot of us have got addictive personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, once you see a little bit, it's like, well, if I had a little bit more assistance, yeah. and then I see athletes that I know, and I know what drugs they use, and I think I don't know where you're going to head because you're already taking so much, but then they want to then become an IFBB pro, or they want to, and it's like, how far? Yeah. I suppose that's a personal decision, and yeah the, the the main issue for women is avoiding virilization with drug use yeah for anybody that doesn't know virilization means masculinization basically becoming androgynous becoming a man essentially by being exposed to androgenicity the way to avoid this but still get maximum physique outcomes is to use every drug that doesn't work under the androgen receptor to your greatest ability mm -hmm. first and is that through being coached to do that? How would people sort of know? It's always, you're always going to be better being coached to do that, yeah. but you can work it out yourself. There's lots of different, what's the best way to explain this? Okay, so when you're enhanced, yeah. we're talking, let's just talk about muscle gain, because that's where anabolic steroids show the great efficacy, as we said. Um, it's essentially a process of modulating protein turnover. So you've got a certain amount of protein degradation, a certain amount of protein synthesis every day if you're lent in the side of protein synthesis you'll gain muscle mm -hmm. if you're lent really far in the 
side of protein synthesis, you'll gain even more muscle. And mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of drug actions that can lead to either pushing up muscle protein synthesis or pushing down muscle protein breakdown. Mm-hmm. So that would be anabolic or anti-catabolic. The androgen receptor is one, you know, what anabolic steroids do. There's lots of others. Mm-hmm. The estrogen receptor, super anabolic. So, you know, estrogen is very good for women. And then you have options like growth hormone, insulin, PPAR modulators, things that work under the beta-2 adrenergic receptor like clenbuterol, metformin, et cetera, et cetera. Like and this, this is where people would go, what? Yeah, because if I explain briefly how drug toxicity works, right? Yeah, well, it's useful for people to understand, like, even the fundamentals, isn't it? Yeah. So let's say we have the physiological range of testosterone. Yeah. Um which for women, like the average drug dose is going to be like three milligrams per week mm-hmm. for hormone replacement therapy purposes. And let's talk purely for health purposes. If you go 50% above that, now I'm not talking about virilization just for health, that 50% risk is almost untraceable. Mm-hmm. And go another 50% above that, the risk increases. Another 50% above that, the risk really increases. So you have this exponential J curve with risk so the problem comes when you just use one drug pathway and you have to keep escalating it for more anabolism yeah i guess that's where my vision was it with certain drugs mm. how far do you take it and it becomes then yeah, very risky the more muscular you get the more muscle protein synthesis you're going to have to drive for the next pound of muscle for the next pound of muscle for the next pound. so you need to use more I mean, assuming you were using the minimal effective dose. Yeah. The minimal becomes higher and higher and higher. Just like with training volume, the stimulus threshold moves. Mm-hmm. Like on the first week of your training mesocycle, your minimum effective volume is not going to be the same as the last week of mesocycle. Or a good example of that is like really advanced individuals, their minimum effective volume and their maximum recoverable volume are really close, if not the same. Yeah. So this is what happens with drugs. Like the max you can tolerate might be the amount that you need to progress, mm-hmm. which is a nasty spot to be in. But anyway, <clears throat> so like we're talking about that J curve response to the dose to risk profile of drugs, that's the reason why we wouldn't want to sledgehammer any one drug. You just want to kind of tickle loads of them. Yeah, little pick and mix. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like this is called a polypharmacy model, basically, where you use lots of different drugs. But that sounds like, to the layperson that doesn't understand the pharmacology, it would be like, why would I use loads of drugs when I can just use one? 100%. It's more dangerous. Yeah. It's not more dangerous. Well, it depends. Yeah, yeah. Because if I'm comparing a woman taking 50 milligram of anabar to a woman taking 5 milligram of anabar, plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this, for the same net anabolism, Mm -hmm. the toxicity and the virilization potential is far less. Yeah. So consequently, in the long term as well, there's much more room for growth on the, if you've got X amount of different PEDs rather than the one. Because like you say, if you start on 50 milligrams of anabol, just that, where does that then go? Yeah, exactly. So with regards to, so if someone was looking at going assisted and if they came to you and had a consult or whatever, would you look at how long they've been training, if they've competed before? Is that stuff that you delve into? Is it relevant? It is. It, 
is and there isn't to some degree. So it is because it's good to have general guideline on. It's probably not much point going enhanced if you haven't reached the benefit of at least adhering to a diet plan for a while. Yes, or, good point. Or training with something like a really efficacious training program focused on progressive overload. Yeah. Like if you've only prepped and then you're like, right, I'm on off season, I need to use drugs now. So like, you know, you've got a load of like protein accretion that you can drive. Yeah. However, people throw around these like rules, like if you haven't been training, dieting, and competing for 10 years, don't use drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, but the problem is, it's not my place to tell any individual what to do. Mm. If you're a conscious adult, you can make a decision for yourself. All I can do is explain the risks and things like this. Mm -hmm. And also, it's like, who says that you have to be a max genetic potential before you use drugs? It's like, what if you don't want to be? I also think with that, how do you know when you're at yeah. your max genetic potential? Do you know what I mean? It's it, We've spoken about people, you know, sometimes go into bodybuilding and they go straight in, in, into the assisted route. They know they want to commit to it. They've yeah. done several things that equate to them potentially being successful in the sport. Yeah, Leon's an example of that because, like, I mean, I've never advised someone to do this, but he knew. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to start bodybuilding, but I'm going to bodybuild to become a champion. So I'm just going to use drugs now, which I don't think was the right move, but. You're like, okay. <laughs> what is it, a year and a half later, 17 months to day, actually, because he's taking me in an Instagram thing. He's classified as a champion. It's, and it's a yeah. serious, like, you know, if people want to look at him on Instagram, I think he's, is he the classic ghost on Instagram? Yeah. Insane. And he hasn't missed a meal for those 17 months. Yeah. He's slept perfectly every night. Yeah. He's done every session. There's been nothing left unturned, but he's probably a rare case. Yeah, and he had he had the fundamentals there, and he knew yeah. what he wanted to do. And like you say, he hasn't missed a meal. He hasn't. And that also, that's definitely something I find is a bit of a bugbear when you talk about assistance. People can quite easily in life in general but especially with assistants say oh well you're cheating and i always say you know people that are assisted it doesn't mean they don't train or they train less it doesn't mean they don't follow nutrition protocols and and what have you it just means that they've decided to go assisted and they're maximizing their gains more than potentially a natural athlete would. yeah but people very quickly jump on and say it's bad they're cheating they shouldn't do that but like you say in the example of Leon, he hasn't missed a meal. Yeah. And it, it, it's a very, you know, for him, it's, it's such an important part of his life. And yeah. he's, he takes it very seriously. And, you know, I guess a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people that do decide to go assisted, would they do that if they weren't going to take it seriously? Yeah, exactly. That's it's a big step, especially for women. I think women think about these things a lot more. Yeah, we overthink. Men are like, right, what's the strongest gear? <laughs> Maximal games. I've been training. I went to the gym once, but <laughs> I'm going to commit to this at least for four weeks. So, you know, give me the strongest shit there is. Whereas women is like, you know, a bit more cautious. I don't know if I want to take this because of this. Yeah. Like I've had loads of consoles when I had them available with with guys that was like barely been training a few months and like just wanted to use gear. Impatient. And all of the ones I've had with women have been really considered. Yeah. Because I know it's something for you that you're almost quite passionate about. I pick up mm. on your pods and obviously speaking with you in person. 
that you really want to help guide females yeah because it's just done so badly it's like as a man like you may mess up and take too much or use a lot of ancillary drugs and stuff like that but with women it's like you can mess up mm. and have irreversible issues what sort of things with that voice deepening yeah is the main one and adam's apple I don't know about that. Mm. I think like, it's like a myth. Almost. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like squaring off of the jaw is a real thing. Yeah. You'll see that like the androgynous bone growth, clitoral enlargement is irreversible as well, to a degree. What when I say irreversible, what you find is some of these things like mediate themselves down a bit. Yeah. Post use, but there's something like deepening in the voice. Yeah, there's no coming back to normal. Like That's crazy, isn't everyone it? knows what that like sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even if you're on the phone for someone, you know. Oh, that's that's a bird that's taking a lot of gear. Yeah. Like, you know it. I know the first time I heard it, I was like, huh? Yeah. It was really strange for me, like especially when I was like first in the sport. The first female I saw that was well, I assumed that she was on gear. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Like. I've never seen it fascinated me to be honest it wasn't like uh, or that mm. shouldn't it was like wow you know this person's committed to the sport of bodybuilding and they want to pursue you know going quite far in the sport and they've decided to go assisted for me it's I've never felt it's negative because like you said it's an adult decision and also if you want to do that why shouldn't you be able to yeah you know because it's not right in some people's minds and yeah yeah and this is another thing to realize is like not all women that are competitors actually care mm. like female bodybuilders mm. or some of the bigger figure women i've worked with they don't bother mm. they want to commit to the sport yeah which is like look i don't I, i'm not bothered about realization mm. i just want to gain maximum muscle yeah and that's cool you know, so it's it's always has to be like, okay, what is the goal and what is the risk to reward there? Yeah. We go down that way. Because I do think as well, it sort of touches on what your goal is within the sport and how common assistance actually is in the non-tested feds, obviously. Do you mm. natural feds? Or natty feds. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, there's, it's so common. And I remember the, the first conversation I had about assistance with my coach it came about because i said to i sent him a screenshot of a photo of someone on instagram and i said i really want to aspire to look like this now first of all i always recommend when i do pods don't do that, don't do that <laughs> because a the coach is like well no it's it, there's no genetic like your genetics are different you're an individual and whatever but it's also me and Stephen are very close now because i've worked with him for so many years but he had to have that conversation with me to say a, you're never going to look like someone else, and B, that person is assisted. And at the start of my bodybuilding journey, I was like, what do you mean assisted? A female? A bikini competitor? And it was like, bikini competitors take gear. I don't get it. Like, why would you do that? And I didn't understand. I just thought it was women bodybuilders that would be assisted because mm. there's that perception of, like, what you'd imagine it to be when you take, say, steroids. Mm. So... And now, I mean, I have so many conversations when you're looking at things like IFBB, Pro League, or, or any IFBB, and even a lot of the amateur divisions, the percentage oh, yeah. of competitors that assisted 
unreal. Yeah. There's more. There's more using drugs than not. Like, and it the the ratio changes as you get through the categories and you get further away from what could be deemed plausibly natural. Yeah. There's a huge genetic component to it. Like, if you look at bikini, for example, there's a lot of people that I don't want to say a lot of people actually. I don't. I don't mean that correctly. There's a lot of people maybe within the competitive realm that could get to that degree of musculature and yeah. that condition genetically fine, like you. Yeah. There yeah. you go. And and you've got more than enough musculature to be competitive, and you've been very competitive. Some people can't. Mm-hmm. And those people require drugs. Yeah. Those people realistically probably shouldn't do the sport. Yeah. But. Again, it's up to them. And what's your goal? Yeah. Mm. So for some people, genuinely getting to that degree of size will require drug interventions. Because mm-hmm. the genetic variability among individuals is crazy. If you look at some training data yeah. and ever look outside of the abstract and look at the graphics, like the plot the results, um, you'll see anything from hyper responders to resistance training to people that literally lose muscle. <laughs> like they miss a meal and they yeah there's people that cannot gain muscle okay so you do see it like you know when people are like i'm a hard gainer yeah like it's a legit yeah look at people like me versus leon yeah leon's going like 80 pounds in a year i've probably gained five now bearing in mind i train just as hard as leon yeah i diet just as hard now, also, Leon has taken more drugs than me in the last year. Yeah. Because I don't really, because it doesn't, I'm well aware I'm not. It's the goal, isn't it? However, if I did, I wouldn't get close to that mm. because we're very genetically different. Mm. So I would have to take probably five times the amount of he did and I'd <laughs> die 20 years earlier. There might be a health scare there. And do you know what, realistically, I'll probably never get there. Mm. You know, I probably, I more than likely would never get there. That's not necessarily the same in things like bikini. But something we've seen this year a lot is I think the figure's becoming a lot more popular. It's Yeah, it's changing. And I think something's about to come here mm. because bikini girls have decided to do figure, mm. not realising there's a big gap. Yeah. And they've kind of had a go at tone figure and realised they're way too small. Because there's like that in-between category and in a lot of feds now, they've got... Yeah, tone. It's different. Yeah, it's different yeah. in every fed. I'm not the biggest fan of that. I'm not sure what it is to a certain degree mm. it's like a sort of mismatch of tone figure looks like bikini physique slash maybe slightly bigger in different poses yeah whereas to me figure is npc figure figure, figure. Mm. yeah which is quite a bit bigger and then what's going to happen is these girls are going to come on stage and go oh i need to gain a lot more muscle now but i want to compete next year so what do i do mm. you left with, or, yeah 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 you're left with no option mm. um, i feel like as well training you know, I had such a, a long period of time where now on reflection for the first few years of being a bodybuilder and a competitor, I wasn't even really training properly. Yeah. So I was getting a training plan and majority, you know, I was training, but the intensity wasn't there. You know, mm. I used to send videos to Stephen, which is how we worked because it's online. And he'd be like, what are you do?" You know, in the nicest way possible, what are you doing? You're not activating your latch, you're not activating, etc. etc. So if you haven't even trained properly, mm. you know, do you know what your potential is anyway? Mm. There's a lot of factors there before you maybe even go down the assisted route. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot to dig through. Training, actually, as you said, is like the biggest thing. I think mm. people don't train very well, or people just train to what is like fashionable. 
And also, because <laughs> me and Joppo had this joke yesterday, because we've had a little shindig at the doghouse with you this weekend. But we were saying, you know, this like making noises and things. You know, okay, yes, sometimes the set gets hard and you do make involuntary noises and whatever. But it's almost become this like sort of, unless you make these noises and say these certain words and phrases, you're not training properly. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I think women especially have fallen prey to like a really low volume methodology of training, which is fine. I mean, the only answer to the question of like how much volume should I train with is like as much as you can drive adaptations to. Yeah. Could you imagine like there's a logarithmic relationship between training volume and hypertrophy, like that's quite clear. And with proximity to failure. Mm. So you probably want to get pretty close to failure if not two and you probably want to train with like as much volume as you can recover from without overreaching yeah so it's like a marrying of the two like training to balls out intensity with like one set yeah like it's probably not sufficient for like a small female given yeah. the amount of like total volume load they're doing is going to be so low and their nervous system can recover from far more than that mm. but that's the biggest thing like the biggest thing with like my team where i've taken people like his name's popped up on my screen, but Ryan Brambleby. Yeah. How has he exploded so hard? Oh, no. He's still lean, even though he's yeah. in his off-season. He's just blown <laughs> out of this world. It was all training. It was all training. It was all his training was just wrong. Yeah. He was training with really low volumes. There was nothing specialised in there. I remember the conversation I had with him when I first met him about this. Yeah. When he was coached by someone else, and then he obviously came over to coach with you. Mm. He was like, I don't know if this is right for me. And you could tell... He was doing, executing the plan as we do, mm. but a lot of people and people listening or maybe know in the back of their mind, their coach maybe isn't right for them, but they, mm. they're finding it hard, like we said at the start today, mm. to come away from that. But if your training's not right or, you know, the coach isn't right for you, you really need to, it's the fundamental of being a good bodybuilder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, look after yourself. And they're not going to, like, I feel like if a client left the coach, because they didn't feel it was right. Mm. Like the coach ain't gonna be. You can't question it, can you? Yeah, yeah. And even though, like, if they're a good coach, they should have people waiting anyway. Mm. So, you know, it's not gonna be such an issue, I don't think. But anyway, to the drug use. Yeah, I think as a general rule, if you're somebody that's hunting for muscle gain, avoid anabolic steroids <laughs> females yeah. listen up because <laughs> there's lots of anabolism to be taken from elsewhere mm -hmm. and if your patients start with the lowest hanging fruit so the things with like the, the most minimal negative side effects mm -hmm. for fairly good returns but nothing mind-blowing mm -hmm. i think what women actually what i'll say women need to be focused on a drug stack design that can be used chronically with low stress it's a good point, isn't it? Thinking yeah. of the, the longer... Protein accretion is a long process. Mm. And what we're trying to do is just push that protein turnover balance slightly into synthesis. Because yeah. you're not trying to gain 20 pounds of stage weight anyway as a woman mm. or as a bikini athlete. In all reality, if I use Jazz as an example, I think her stage weight changed like, changed like four pounds. She looked like a totally different human. Definitely. So four pounds on a female, and she's a big female as well. But that's a big, you can notice it. Yeah, four pounds a lot, and I don't think, even two pounds would be a lot, and I don't think you have to really push that. And this is what I say to people when they're like, 
you're a bodybuilder. Yeah. I'm like, look, don't straight away, this is sort of gem pop yeah. conversations. Don't think of Jodie Marsh. Yeah. Think of, you know, what, when I do a whole off season and in my first off season, I gained the most. And like I said to you, I was basically fat because I didn't have much muscle and I trained for very long. Like when you then diet down, realistically, we're talking a pound or two of muscle. Yeah. And people are like, what do you mean? Mm. A pound or two? Is it worth it? This is where the values come in and what you yeah. want to achieve. Yeah, so and that is a good look. point. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're Natty, you've been training for like four or five years and it's like, okay, you know, I might be able to gain like maybe a pound this year, maybe. Yeah. He's like, ah. Uh. It literally <laughs> is that, isn't it? Yeah, like maybe a pound though. Like it yeah. Be less. It yeah. might be like half a pound. Yeah. And also, you know, you get it, because I'm a PT and I'm on the shop floor, you get people <laughs> think if they eat loads of protein, I laugh. Yeah. I, I know it's not, funny but it is for us now when you look back you know if you tell a female in particular to eat more protein aren't i going to gain loads of muscle yeah am i going to get too big so i've been trying to get too big for years and i haven't done that yet <laughs> you can tell me i'm too big. good yeah. too big i'm happy yeah and it is that like there's definitely this sort of imagine <laughs> accidentally getting too big well <laughs> funnily enough because i went back into amateur league my feedback and from you know competing as a pro in different federations my feedback was that i had a lot more muscle than the girls that placed higher than me mm. and actually me and stephen had the conversation after and, and we predicted that was maybe the case when i looked at my photos mm. and i said to him do you know what that's probably the best feedback i've ever had yeah that's awesome and and i was like and, and instantly as soon as i received the feedback i was like i don't even feel unhappy that i didn't place where i wanted to mm. because it was like Having too much muscle. Yes, like you were too good. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and that's the difference between also amateur pro, yeah. where you're heading, because again, how common it is within the pro leagues compared to the amateur league is going to be very different, isn't it? Mm. You know, if you look at the IFBB pro leagues, we're talking fire. Oh, they're, they're big. Insane. The bikini category and IFBB have a lot of muscle. The weird thing there for me is that if you're trying to get your pro card, you can't be too big mm. in bikini. Mm. Then when you do get it, you need to get a lot bigger. And then you, yeah. yeah. When I competed in Mexico in 2019, I got my pro card and then went on to do the pro show, mm. so, which most of them you can do. So yeah. you, if you get your pro card, you go back on in the evening. The girl that won, I remember looking and I thought, oh my God, she is like literally goals. Mm. The quads, the hamstrings, the glutes. I thought, oh my God, this is like immense. But just going from the amateur to the pro league and also international, mm. it's insane. Like we were watching Carol's YouTube last night, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, genetics are obviously. Yeah, she's a freak, man. She's wellness. It's insane. Right. But this is proper wellness. Yeah. I had a little bit of a bugbear there. Yeah, we've had a weird wellness. <laughs> UK wellness, I'll start to call it. <laughs> this is, I don't mean it horrible either, and, and you don't, but. I'll it's... tell you what, the, the wellness classes at the fitness federations are sick. Mm. And they're putting bodybuilding fans to shame, like Pure Elite this year, and the wellness girls were awesome. It's insane as well. Like for me, I look and I think it just looks so good mm. when you've got the proper, you know, I don't think people quite understand what wellness is meant to be in the yeah, UK a lot of the time. No, you're right. You need a pretty superior set of genetics because it's not just about musculature. 
Like honestly, seeing the video of Carol, insane. Yeah, she's another. She's just a different breed. Like, and this is what. <laughs> it's sick. Yeah. The, again, that's another one. A lot of bikini girls get into off season and go right. What about wellness next year? It's like you've just gained some fat on a bikini physique. The, you know? And and maybe you you haven't dieted for as long as you need to. Yeah. So it's like I'll go into wellness. Yeah. No, the wellness really needs to be pretty shredded. Mm. Yeah, again, like Carol shed clothes lines and stuff. And, She's her physique is sick. Instantly, I was like, "Wow, yeah. you know, this is actual wellness." And a lot of I've seen competing internationally. A lot of like Portuguese, yeah, Mexican. That I'm pretty type. sure Brazil was the first place to have wellness. And I think that's why it was almost invented. Yeah. So they have a category because their genetics lend themselves to the bigger thighs, yeah. glutes. And let me tell you now that those women in those categories. This is someone that coaches women in both of those categories, right? Yeah. They're not taking any more drugs than the bikini. I remember you saying that no. when we were watching the video. No, no. Because instantly, all. again, you look and you go, wow, like, is she taking a lot of gear to yeah. get that physique? No, it's all genetic. It's the same with bodybuilders, like guys in classic and open, for the most part, they're taking the same shit. Mm. It's genetic variability. Because mm. there's only so much drug you can take. I mean... On a slightly different tangent, psychologically, when someone's looking to go assisted, mm. as we know, bodybuilding, especially in female men as well, it can breed, you know, you've got things like food disorders, disordered eating in general, different psychological reasons to get into the sport in the first place, you know, wanting to have some control over something um, and whatever the reason is. Is that something that you delve into or do you leave it you know because it is an adult decision yeah i think you know you can only explain to the client what might happen yeah if they have one of these personality types for more yeah you're probably going to end up taking more drugs mm. more often for longer but if it can be informed at least yeah what what can i do because no matter what i say they're going to do it anyway yeah. you can only guide to the better direction but i write rather than came in loads of gear maybe try this instead <laughs> this is an educated yeah. <laughs> um, pathway you could take i'm interested in this worth saying for women anabolics the uh the duration of exposure is slightly more important than the dose Okay. Than the like total load exposure. So, so like, like cycles of it, or yeah, just minimal exposure to androgens, which is why I say uh, women should probably create some kind of chronic exposure of drugs that they can like live with year round. Yeah, that doesn't include anabolics. So, like move that protein turnover ratio, and then like if they need more, I'd say like use anabolics in like very short spats, like once or twice a year, mm -hmm. like four weeks, once a year, at a very low dose on top of everything else. It's as like a little boost. Yeah, like maybe like with some clients, I'll say, right, the last mesocycle of your off-season macro cycle, so your last training block, as like a plateau buster, we'll just use that for the last four weeks. And this is where, like we say, having a coach for this as well could really tie into, you know, how well it goes for you, what the longevity is there. Again, bodybuilding in general, for me, I always say it's a sport of longevity. It's not, if you want to be successful, mm. you know, it's not a sport that you dip into. I've been doing it for over seven years. You've been doing it for how long? Long. Yeah. And I did a podcast this morning, they were like, how long have you been coaching for? I was like, man. A while. 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm lost. I was trying to think. Because I was like, well, it was when me and Jazz got together. I was like, oh no, how long have we been together? I think it's like seven years, nearly eight years or something. But like, it's a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. And if you do it for the right reasons, it doesn't feel like a long time. That's the difference. Yeah. And if you're really stick with your expectations. Yeah. So that translates to people's physique. It's like, if mm. you don't want it right now, don't want it like yesterday. Yeah. Then. You know, there's nothing meaning that you have to compete right now. You could just do a photo shoot where you can yeah. do, you know, see what you look like when you're lean, which is, Steph and I talk about this all the time. You know, if you're not sure and you don't know what you're going to look like when you're lean, why not book a shoot? Yeah. And if you get lean and you look sick, okay, there's a show next week. Yeah, I think that's an awesome way. Just like Christian did, you know, he wanted to see if he could get lean. So he did that photo shoot. When he first... Yeah, yeah, and he got peeled out of his mind. So the next year, yeah. he did a show. Yeah. And again, he just got a little bit more peeled out of his mind. And there we go. And now he can decide what he wants to do moving forward. Yeah. It's the belief, you know. Yeah, your own self-belief. And also, touching on support, you know, if assistance is the route you want to go down. Some people, it might help them if they've got a partner mm. to get that support. Other people, it's a very independent journey, isn't it? Mm. I mean... I think bodybuilding in general is quite a selfish sport, in mm. inverted commas. And a lot of the time you d you're just doing it and cracking on with your own thing. But sometimes people need support and it might be that they need to ask a few people, what do you think of this and what? But if they have at least a consult with someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, have, I would say the best thing you can do with your, with probably all of your bodybuilding, but specifically your drug users emotionally divorce from it and have somebody else mm. that's knowledgeable control it because if you're you know this type a bodybuilder it's always going to be more more i need more i could just do it a bit longer mm. you know you're always going to be doing that if you have someone else saying this is what you're going to do yeah it always works better and that's why i think the coaching relationships work so well i just think yeah in general like i, I don't want to have to think about what is my training mm. what is my macros and then what's my ped use mm. and there's so many other things you know like we spoke about sleep yeah you know there's so many things if you want to be a good <laughs> bodybuilder as such more successful i guess you do need to think about things like the sleep as well so if someone's doing training macros and pd use you can focus on the those things rather than overloading yourself yeah yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. other than what we've spoken about, is there anything else you think with female PD is mm, that would be? I mean, like I said to you before, we hit record. A lot of our listeners are first timers, mm. potentially natural athletes at the moment. Yeah, if you're a first timer, it's normal to get um, tempted. Yeah. By the drug use, I don't think for a woman it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. for a first timer see if you want to keep competing so like compete once maybe yeah. see or a photo shoot like you said get people's opinion on what your potential for the sport is yeah because realistically less than one percent of the population mm -hmm. should be doing this mm -hmm. no i'll tell you about we'll be successful at this and this is the difference yeah. with bodybuilding yeah but you can do it like we were talking about Christian. Like, is Christian ever going to be in this Olympia? No. Mm -hmm. He got third at his first show. He was skinned out of his mind. But that's sick. Yeah. He's yeah. still good. He but he loves bodybuilding. Yeah. So we'll keep doing it. Yeah. Whatever. Look, if you love 
bikini. Yeah. But you're never gonna win a show. Cool. Yeah. Just do it anyway. Like, what does it fucking matter? Manage your expectations. Yeah. yeah. So with the drug use, it's it's hard for anybody to put a recommendation on it. But if you're gonna do it, just understand the risks involved before you get involved, and just do it the way that minimises negative health concerns and risks. Which is as we said. Use the non-androgenic drugs first. Yeah. Just about to touch on a few different pathways. And if people want to get into the depths of this, like what are all the pathways, what are all the drugs, mm-hmm. how are, how do we reference what drugs to use based on things like what's approved for human use and what isn't and what dosages were used in clinical trials and what dosages were clinically deployed versus trialed and like you can go down all these lines. I bet you can. It's on physique <laughs> collective, go on there. So um, people, I'll put the link anyway yeah. in the description. So the Physique Collective is like a, I guess, a, a membership forum, isn't it? Yeah, it's a members portal, I suppose you could call it. We've got the website and we've also got that app, so the app you can have on your phone and whatnot. And it's basically broken down to separate parts. Like we've got the videos, there's lots of educational and just like fun videos on there. Mm-hmm. I think we've got like over a thousand hours of video or something. It's just a bodybuilding community, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because the forums, what a lot of people are there for which is almost like a social media page. So you've got like your news feed, yeah. which brings up all like the new stuff mm-hmm. um, as people are doing it. And then the forum where you can go back to other people's pages. Like if you're a first time drug user, just like go to the progress logs Have and click on a, one of the female names. What's she doing? Oh, she's a first time user. And you know, you'll find someone on there that's consulted with Joe and you told him to do this. And then we've got this blood work and then this, and you'll learn. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, just like everything else is educating yourself. And it's like six ninety nine a month, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, six ninety nine a month. Bargain. Yeah. Well, like you say, all the video content is stacked up now. Mm. And even if listening to this podcast and then looking at the videos on PED use, even if someone did that, I personally feel because I've you know I've spoken with you and I've looked at those videos, you could definitely make a more informed decision as to even if it's something on your radar. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the if you've got that question there get some information and actually put some energies into it rather than just smash it out and hope for the best. Yeah. It's always trying to make informed decisions, what your goals are and what your expectations are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So just post it up there and we'll, we'll let you know. And if someone wanted to book a consult, is that something you're doing? Or it's tricky. You, it's you're busy. It's, well, I, got, I, I, I opened the books and they got books for, the next three months but and then you have like a waiting list do you or waiting list is for coaching okay um consultations i've got on the physique collective site there's a bit at the top that just says consultations you can click on my name you can book an hour slot yep yeah rather than you know most of our guests that we have on we say send a dm to this guest if you're interested it's not yeah really that vibe for you is it i don't do instagram same channel yeah but but it's worth putting (laughs) it out there because i think yeah Nowadays, a lot of people will say, if you want to reach out, DM me on Instagram. But for you, it's not going to no, be... I can't do it. Like, yeah. I cannot. The volume, I'd imagine, is quite crazy for you. Yeah, I mean, when I've... I mean, quite, <laughs> the thing is, when I've done like all my client work for the day, yeah. I'll probably get, like, on average, in terms of application through the site, I think we average, like, 25 a day, mm. which isn't a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do 25 responses to coaching, but that takes a long time. But then... On Instagram, I get like 30 to 40 new requests. Yeah. And they stack up. Yeah. So I can't do it. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's better for our listeners to know, actually, <laughs> this this is the best way to go if 
And also, I feel like, in a sense, people are sort of coming up and people are probably going to be touching base with family, Christmas, etc. Yeah. Anyway, so January could be quite a nice time. Yeah, I think the thing is with Instagram DMs as well is like, this is quite a technical subject. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, there'd be a lot of back and forth. Okay, tell me this. And then tell me this, tell me this. Tell, and it would be quite a difficult road to go down through that medium. And also sort of a disservice yeah. to how important it is. Yeah, and also like with respect to my clients, and I mean, people can take this as they will because it might sound a bit shitty, but like I've got loads of people, not loads of people, I've got a lot of people that pay me for advice. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not all comfortable answering questions on Instagram. But you are a professional in your field, so why should you in a sense? It's, yeah, it's more so about like, respect to my clients, I think. It's like if they're paying me money to answer questions on demand mm. and I'm answering an Instagram question when I could be answering theirs, yeah, it's yeah. a bit like shitty, I think. So. And it can be quite junky as well. Like yeah. you say, it's not, it's not specific and something like PD use. Yeah, that's a delicate subject as well. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be talking on Instagram about something, so... And also, fragile. like you're saying, females, it's even more fragile in regards to, I guess, if I was asking about it for myself, I'd want to have this intricate... Like, we need a consultation. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it wouldn't just be like, slide in the DMs, Joe. What do, yeah, what do you think of this stuff? And it's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, tell me this, this, this. Yeah, there has to be a consultation environment. Like, blood work, ideally, and blah, blah, blah. Mm, which is what we've touched on today. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for your time and also being my first guest. Thank you. Um, and potentially, you know, if there is lots of feedback that comes in, I always like to say to the listeners, if they've got any questions, they can direct them to me. And if there's any topics... We'll do another one. We can do a, a Q&A or something. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Because I feel like for a successful podcast as well, you actually want the listeners to have content that they want to... You know, come back and listen to, not just. Yeah. Or if they up. say, never get this guy on again. That was terrible. <laughs> and fair enough. Why have you got him on for your first one? Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you. And yeah, I look forward to a second one. So if anyone has got questions or wants to feedback, they can reach out on Instagram. So it's Sarah Parker underscore BB. So thank you guys. And I shall speak to you soon. Peace.